WFUV's Disharmony podcast is sponsored by Aspiration, the credit card that rewards customers for going carbon neutral to help combat climate change. One card, zero carbon footprint. Learn more at aspiration.com slash credit. Aspiration Financial, LLC. I played Wake Up America, a track from Miley Cyrus's 2008 album Breakout, over and over on a CD player in my childhood bedroom. The song is upbeat and optimistic that if we just work together, we can solve the climate crisis. When I think about climate change now, I don't always feel the same optimism. Songs like A Lot's Gonna Change from Wiseblood's 2019 album Titanic Rising echo that. In her dreamy, melancholic voice, Wiseblood sings about losing hope for the future. Music about environmental destruction or climate change isn't new. Take Joni Mitchell's wildly popular Big Yellow Taxi, released in 1970. Seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone. They pay paradise, put up a parking lot. Smash Mouth sings about the hole in the ozone layer in their 1999 hit All Star. But artists are making more music about climate change now than ever. The New York Times reporter Kendra Pierre-Louis reports that in 2019 alone, 26 songs that made it onto a U.S. billboard chart have lyrics about climate change. Across genres, musicians are responding to the climate crisis. What does that sound like? What can music really do in the fight against climate change? How is the music industry trying to make itself more sustainable? I'm Courtney Bergseeker with WFUV News, and this is Disharmony how music is responding to climate change. In this series, I'll be sitting down with musicians, authors, and organizations to talk about music and climate change. In this episode, we'll hear from a folk singer and an opera composer who address the climate crisis in their work. They use lyrics to express emotions related to climate change, like fear and frustration. Canadian folk singer and songwriter Tamara Lindman, who records as The Weather Station, says as she became more worried about the threat of climate change, it started to come through in her music. Lindman weaves themes of fear, anger, and betrayal into the weather station's album, Ignorance. Here's a clip of Atlantic, a song about the weight of knowing Earth and its beauty is threatened by climate change. Respond to the climate crisis in the weather station's music. First, tried to write a song about climate um, back on my self-titled record, a song called "Complicit." I was really frightened to write about it, and I think that's in part because I hadn't really faced it as a person, and in some ways. But that song came out, and it was a bit of a jumble, and you know, it spoke to people, and then. In 2018, at the end of 2018, I 
had an experience that I recognize is actually very common where I started paying attention to the climate crisis and I started learning about it and then I just fell off a cliff and went down the rabbit hole of understanding and anger and grief and anxiety and shame and all of the feelings I felt. And in the middle of this time, I had that extreme feeling of like, I have to just stop everything in my life and just, this is all that matters. As I was going through that, I was writing songs a lot. So it wasn't that I sat down and tried to write about climate change. I actually actively tried not to write about it, but that was what was in me. And so that was what came through in subtle ways in all of the songs I wrote at that time. What kind of feelings about climate change appear in your songs? A lot of what I think I'm expressing on that record is a feeling of betrayal, to be honest, and a feeling of alienation. And I think I consider those feelings to be deeply related to climate. And I, I just felt the disconnection all around me so profoundly, you know, the disconnection between people and the disconnection between what's happening <laughs> in the atmosphere and how we talk about it or don't talk about it. And I think I just felt this really deep sense of loneliness and and betrayal too i think there's a lot of betrayal on the record which is which is a feeling that i think when you 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 think you're not allowed to feel about climate you know because we're kind of taught that it's all our fault and we're bad <laughs> and and that was the that was the piece that i hadn't really understood i felt until that time does making music help you process those feelings it did for me in some ways but i think what helped more or as much as like finding myself in this situation where because there was like one line in the press release that mentioned climate change suddenly I'm like this spokesperson <laughs> and I, I didn't ask to be and I didn't expect to be but I, I've actually found it very healing to talk about it with so many people and to be approached by so many people with their own feelings and I found I that feeling of aloneness and alienation that I felt in 2018 has changed and that I know I'm not alone in my feelings. In the song I Tried to Tell You, you sing, I will not help you not to feel, to tell yourself it was not real, and only fools believe this is what songs are for. What do those lyrics mean and do they relate to climate change? I mean, I think I, I feel a pretty deep sense around me in modern Western culture, that there's this immense disconnection from meaning and from what matters. Like it's truly absurd, it's, it's heartbreaking. And the most obvious place is the climate crisis because it's like, how could we be talking about or working on anything else? You know, like if we've cared about like literal survival, like it's like, it's a disconnection that's beyond sanity it's just yeah sometimes I can feel when I look around me that so many people around me and, and strangers and friends are so utterly disconnected from the deepest realities of of what matters and being human in many songs like Atlantic you sing about the beauty of nature how do you view your personal relationship with Earth? I was lucky to be raised with a strong relationship to the natural world. And 
when I was a child, it was my friend. And, you know, like it was a deep, it was a very healing relationship for me to be in nature. And, you know, like I talked to tree, you know, I had this very innocent, beautiful relationship with it. And, you know, it can be difficult in adulthood knowing about the climate crisis to, um, to have that innocent connection because the, the sort of realities sort of seep in, the anxieties seep in. And there's plenty of times where I've still had that beautiful connection in a natural setting. And then there are times where I feel sadness and fear for what's ahead. And it can be painful actually to be in nature, um, especially like a more sort of pristine natural place that I'm almost more worried for. Um, I find sometimes I actually really appreciate urban nature, like, you know, just these little, you know, beautiful oak tree on the street, just making do with concrete. In a New York Times article, I read that you were inspired to write the Weather Station's latest album, Ignorance, after reading a news article about ExxonMobil. Do you remember what that article was about? It's not that simple, but yes, I um, want an, an article that I remember single-handedly breaking open my sort of, I'm not going to pay attention to this, it's too painful to look at the climate crisis, was an article by Bill McKibben in The New Yorker. So I had no idea that, you know, before I was born, Exxon was like researching climate change independently of the government, you know, on their own terms um, and proved that it was true and that the theory was, the science was correct. And then chose rather than, you know, at one point, um, they were putting money into renewable energy and they were gonna pivot away from fossil fuels. And they were like, we'll be the vanguard of this new energy revolution. And then, you know, some shareholder, you know, some board meeting, they decided to go the opposite way and not just double down on fossil fuels, but actually like create a disinformation campaign that cast doubt on the science that they themselves had already verified. And I try to put this story into interviews because I just feel like it's so unknown. People don't know this. And I truly think it is the greatest, you know, what they did in other companies in the eighties, it's the greatest crime against, you know, it's a crime against humanity to think of not just, not just failing to act, but deliberately fighting against action when they themselves knew what that meant. And I just think we haven't come to terms with that as a society and I want us to. And I think for me personally, you know, as how it relates to my music or me, I just, it just quite simply was that I read that article and it, that was the little straw that broke the camel's back of my lifelong belief that I was the cause of climate change and I was a bad person. I wasn't allowed to care about it because I drove in cars, you know? And once I realized that, yes, I, you know, I can feel guilt and sadness and shame, but these feelings are so small compared to the ocean of wrongdoing <laughs> that has caused this. And I can actually, in addition to feeling guilt or shame about my own personal emissions, I too can feel a deep sense of anger and indignation at the people who before I was born betrayed me, essentially. <laughs> How do you manage the stress of the climate crisis in your life? Um, 
I think that for me personally, I, um, I pay attention to a lot of the other activists and writers and thinkers in the climate world. You know, on Twitter, I, I follow climate Twitter and that helps me feel less alone. And it also helps me feel like there's so many amazing people fighting so hard every day. <laughs> um, but I think it also like, I don't, you know, in the past I could be like blindsided by a headline, but because I kind of pay attention to the situation every day, I'm not like blindsided by things anymore. So I'm like, that's my personal <laughs> way of dealing with anxieties, like looking at it all the time. But I think that on a deeper level, the other thing that I've discovered from allowing myself to care is that, you know, anxiety is often psychologically, it's a way of avoiding grief or emotions. And so if I'm having a weird climate anxiety day, which sometimes still happens, you know, when I feel that existential dread and fear about the future, if I can, I try to connect to the deeper value that underpins that and that's underneath that, which is love and care for the world and for people and for myself. And I remember that the reason why this scares me so much is actually because I very deeply love the world. You know, I truly love this place and I also love people, you know, and so when I can connect to that feeling, the anxiety is less important. That was the Weather Station's Tamara Lindman. Like Lindman, Lena Lapalita responds to the climate crisis with music. Lapalita is a Lithuanian musician and composer who co-wrote the award-winning opera Sun and Sea with Rugila Bajukita and Viva Granita. The set for Sun and Sea uses 21 tons of sand to create a beach where the performers act like they're on vacation. At first, the beach seems warm and inviting, but the opera's lyrics tell a different story, a story about consumerism and the looming threat of climate change. Beachgoers sing about unbearable heat, toxic waters, and natural disasters as they lay in the sand. La Palita says the opera is about negligence, society's failure to act on climate change. How did you come to be a part of the project? started together with Vaiva and Trugila, so Vaiva Grinita and Trugila Brzukaita, and, and we are co-authors of the work. I mean, I work with music and I work with singers, and so I compose in a way, but it's not, a, it's not that someone kind of asked me to make a composition for a new opera work. It's, it's more like we, we wanted to make a work together, then we sat down and thought about the concept, concept, about everything, and then we knew that it would be a musical work and um, that the kind of opera work that would allow for kind of visual arts and, and narratives and music to meet together in one place. Tell me just a little bit about that the concept of sun and sea. 
So what we have in Canem Sea is this um, is 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 a artificially made beach uh, on like sandy beach with a lot of people on it, people, dogs, young people, children, and um, and that's and everyone is singing and audience is invited to look at it from above to look and to listen to it. So basically we, we kind of, again, it's following our first word, Have a Good Day, which is an opera for 10 cashiers in the supermarket. And that work is kind of reflecting on uh, consumerism, capitalist society through the picture of the cashier. And when we were working on Sun and Sea, we, we realized that it's actually looking into, again, into like con consumerism, but through the lenses of climate change. Um, so, and the beach gave us this, uh, perhaps why we chose the beach, because it's, it's a place where a lot of different individuals gather together under, under the sun, which is, which is um, like very hot and it's healing, but it's also dangerous at the same time. Um, and that's usually like a holiday destination. And perhaps it's also involves a lot of consumerism and flying to, to one or another location for the sake of your own good. Um, and then at the same time, the work is also reflecting the, the kind of the tiredness of the human being uh, that is kind of exhausting the earth. So the human becomes like this parallel to the, to the planet earth, um, which is also exhausted. Could you go into a little bit more about the music and how it reflects the changing climate and the dangers of climate change? I wouldn't say that the music reflects it uh, directly. It corresponds to this idea that we wanted to, to have, is to have the, the feeling of this almost like an apocalyptic feeling that at the first instance, things may feel very beautiful and and light but as you kind of go deeper in you realize that it's it's too bright it's too good to be true and um and and that's where i think the the sort of this bright image flips into the dangers we are surrounded and uh, we got ourselves into so music, I think it serves as this almost like, like a cat. It's a, it's a catchy music. It's, it's kind of, it draws people in, I think. And it's, and it's on purpose, uh, very sort of reduced. It's not, um, it's not like an opera where you would have like uh, opera singers show off their voices or something, you know, it's, it's uh, we try to avoid acting. So, in one way, the music is also kind of transmitting the feel each personality has on the beach. So the whole sort of work, the, the whole musical is made out of uh, different solo and choir parts. But um, 
and each of them come together in this kind of mosaic principle. So, so there is non, it's like a non-linear narrative. The music is made out of these different songs that, um, that kind of create characters, perhaps. together with like the text and the visual part so it's it's kind of correlating with a with a person as a whole who is is performing and then I, I would say also like musically and in many other ways uh, the, when we were doing the work we started with this conceptual idea that you know we we knew we we're gonna work with the beach with the artificial beach and um that people will be lying. We knew that we want to have some certain variety on the beach, but then only when we selected them, their voices, their characteristics uh, proposed like the further material. So you could see that almost every aria is written for a specific person in mind. was Lina Lapolita, a composer of the opera Sun and Sea. In their music, artists like Tamara Lindman and Lina Lapolita express sadness, anger, frustration, and fear, all emotions related to the climate crisis. Their lyrics are both personal and directed at society as a whole. In the next episode of Disharmony, we'll hear from members of a music group and an author to learn more about protest music and its relationship with the climate crisis. Thanks for listening. Let us know what you think by tweeting at disharmony underscore WFUV. Special thanks to Tamara Lindman and Lena Lapolita for being a part of the podcast. WFUV's George Bodarki for all his help, Rachel Liesendahl for contributing the cover art, and my dad, Joe Berkseeker, for contributing the music. I'm Courtney Berkseeker with WFUV News, and I'll catch you next time on Disharmony, how music is responding to climate change.